0: And Welcome to Synergy 23. This is Kevin the Beast B. Ploth coming to you live from the Boogie Down Bronx. I have none other than my favorite acclaimed author, Sharla Schultz, aka also known as Sharla Lee, coming to us from down south. And we're going to be talking about her book, Catnip of Life, amongst other things and upcoming projects as well as some of her favorite music, which we just heard. We'll also be playing some Enya and um, some other fun stuff that Charla has picked and we curated and sculpted just for you. And Charla, welcome.
1: Thank you, Kevin. I appreciate this opportunity and I am excited to rock and roll with you today. <laughs>
0: Yes. Most people are very excited to rock and roll because they, they have a lot of fun uh, with this uh, project of mine. It's Some people get a little confused. They said, is it about music? It's about... And I said, it's a little bit about everything. And I think the arts all go hand in hand. And hence, since your book, Catnip of Life, your most recent book that came out this year, um, And I'm just going to pull up a few things. It has some great illustrations, folks. And I do recommend you guys picking up. You can pick it up on Amazon and Charlotte will tell us other platforms that they can purchase um, her wonderful book. And I recommend it for everybody because you know what? It is catnip for life. Um, Charlotte. So what was your thought process behind creating this book?
1: is not about cats. It is about life. And within life, what would give us excitement
0: and also give us tranquility? Ah, there you go. Tranquility is important.
1: I'm a huge nature buff. So, I made the connection of the walking hand-in-hand with Mother Nature. And I associated it with catnip. Because catnip is exciting
0: and is relaxing it it actually does it's almost like um soup for the soul now uh in your your book uh before it starts into the book you uh quote william blake is he one of your influences or inspirations
1: his quote was just inspirational i usually go out on the internet and i search various writers and various quotes to bring in information that I feel like would be a good fit, and that was just an excellent fit for what I was putting into my book. And I want to mention to you, because of something that you said in the very beginning about the music, Mm -hmm. this is a book of poetry, and a lot of people, when I tell them that catnip of life, or if they go on Amazon and look for the book and they see the word poetry, unfortunately their first thought sometimes is, well, I don't like poetry. Well, if you don't like poetry, then you don't like life, and you don't like music, because you cannot have music if you listen to the words of music. That's
0: poetry. It's poetic. Music is and if poetic. You walk outside
1: and you just listen to nature. Nature is poetry in motion. So it's only your perception and how you want to look at it.
0: Well, I think you bring up something very important: uh, the perception of the audience. Um, Uh, prior guests, one thing that we all agreed on and discussed is about the audience, how important they are, how important it is to make them work, but the utmost importance is getting their attention. And in this day and age, with all this technology, um, it's very hard to get people's attention and keep it. So with that being said, what do you do to keep your audience And to keep them coming back for more, for more of Charlotte Lee.
1: Basically educating them. It's, I am a teacher. Yes. So I try to educate them on the importance of nature. And I've done a lot of studies and found out the statistics about nature... And our spending too much time indoors. That's the digital world now. We spend too much time indoors. And we do not allow our mind and our body, our soul, to get out into the natural world. And the natural world is where we pull our energies. So anytime I can write an article or I can speak with someone and talk with them and I find out in any situation where they might be stressed, or overwhelmed with something, my first thought is, okay, you need to go out in nature. However, that's not always convenient. So that's where the book comes in. Because in the book, it's written where you can visualize what you're reading. It's not something that you have to stop and think, oh my goodness, what's this author trying to tell me? Because that happens a lot of times with poetry. But it creates a picture. And when they get to the end of that point, then they can see what they have read, and it also gives them enthusiasm to one day go out and find it.
0: Very good. Very well said, Charlotte. Um, I'm going to read a passage from your book, um, and it's called The Day Will Pass By So Quickly. Like the morning glory in bloom, lasting for a single morning, dying in the afternoon, absorb the sunrise beginning each new day, carry glory in your heart as your mainstay. Real morning splendor, regardless of the season, lies undaunted breathless amid a pied shade of crimson. Every morning, greet sunrise, refreshed anew. Survey the horizon with joyous review. So, why I picked that one out of a very extensive book, um, it's what painted a picture for me, but for you writing it, was it a morning Or was it a specific morning that happened to you that made you want to write this and then publish this?
1: Okay. My writing comes sporadically. Yes. The visions and the thoughts that I have are very momentous. That particular one could have very well been on a morning when I walked outside and saw the glory of the heavens. And when I saw that, then the words immediately came to me. I am visual. So the majority of my writing and the words that you read in here actually come from things that I have seen. Some of them are things that I have not witnessed, but I, maybe I have seen pictures. Say, for example, the pink grasshopper. There's one in there about a pink grasshopper.
0: Yes. And you might not even know that that exists. But once you read about it, it's like,
1: wow, where would I find that when it's rare? And your chances of finding it, but... When you step out into
0: nature, expect the unexpected. Uh, and, and I think that's a good motto for life. Yes. Expect the unexpected. And what I think is important for me anyway, what your book has done for me, is shown me a different way or a different voice of poetry. Even though I've written poetry, our mutual friend Aaron has. I mean, our perceptions are all different. Um I would never claim not now and even till my end of days that I am a poet or a great author by any means. I'm the type of writer that believes in getting it out there Um, and getting something to the people which will inspire them, just like my children's cookbooks, is to not be a great children's storybook, but to get like, oh my gosh, let me go in the kitchen and try this and cook it with my child. That's the intent. And I think what you've done beautifully here is the intent of poetry and through most of them, they do have a lyrical sensibility. And like you said before, there's music, there's music to nature, there's music to life. And it kind of makes sense now to the songs that you picked. Um, And for me, I like to put two and two together. And like what I ask all my guests is I do my due diligence and research to kind of like tie that in. So we've talked about William Blake. We've talked about some of the music that we, we played and are going to be playing. It leads me to Enya and you picked an an interesting piece of hers. I mean, i like a lot of her stuff. That is one I would never have thought of because I think maybe it's been played as very commercially. Um, And I think the context of the piece has been lost. Um, and I re-listened to it again coming from reading your book and getting to know you. And it totally changed the whole commerciality of it. And and it, it made it enjoyable to listen to again, if that kind of helps. Um, so you picked that song by Enya. Why?
1: I like Enya's voice. There's just something about the, her voice that draws me to her. Now, the one relative to time, I have, a, if I can say this without getting it tongue twisted, because I have a lot of people that will make a comment to me or ask me, you know, well, how do you find time to write? You know, you do this, you do that. I don't have enough time. I do this. I can't really. You know, I just don't have time. Well, just stop and think about it. The only time you don't have enough time is when you don't find the time until that time is gone and you're no longer on this earth. Yeah. There is time enough. Yes. Anything you want to do, it's just a matter of you taking action and
0: doing it. Well, here's the thing. I've always been uh, in that same boat where people say, where do you have the time? It's not possible. You can't... And you know who made it very possible for me to stop caring about what other people are saying about my time? I can choose to waste it or do whatever I want with it. Mm-hmm. And when I do stuff with it, I do a lot with it. And you know who is a real big proponent or a, um, the, the biggest flag waver of time is Arnold Schwarzenegger. And his mm-hmm. book, um, Be Useful. He talks about it pretty much 100% of the time from beginning to end of the book, even in his audio book, and he talks about it in his thing, and he says the same, almost identical to what you're saying about time. Well, how do you how do you do this? And, and he says, by the time you figure it all out, you just wasted time. You could have been doing something useful. And, and
1: I think I think about that sometimes,
0: Kevin, because yes.
1: the, the time when people are talking and they're all the minutes, the seconds, the moments that they're making that statement, they could have used that time and put it to something useful.
0: Yeah, well, again, yeah. I, I think a lot of it has to do with how coachable and teachable you are, mm-hmm. how you take everything as a lesson instead of an obstacle or a hindrance or a complaint. Um and from what I've gleaned from you over our period of time knowing each other is that it's how you're brought up. Yeah. It's also your your power base, i.e. whatever your faith is. Um, this is not that type of show. We're not going to get into that. But I've always found that people that have a faith-based relationship to their belief system and morals and, and vision, they tend to be more successful and tend to be more fiduciary with their time and other people's time.
1: I I believe it too. And also the the last part of it, especially because it's not so much what you are doing for yourself. It's what you are doing that you can give to others.
0: Yes, yes, yes.
1: Yes. And that's my goal with what I'm doing with catnip. I want to spread the word catnip so people understand
0: that that's we have such a you just world. don't want the hairballs, you just want the, the cat <laughs> we,
1: we take our world for granted, you know. Yeah. We, just, we do. And all we do is sit in we sit the statistics of sitting in front of a digital digital instrument, you know, all day long at that computer or television or you know, mobile phone. It's, it's staggering, it's staggering. And our and our children they spend four to six hours in front of the, of a screen and four to seven minutes in an outdoor structured environment. A lot wrong
0: with that picture.
1: You know, we really need, we need to get the word out. Yeah. To spend more time in nature. That's where we pull our
0: energy. Well, I also say more time in the kitchen because you're you're cooking up creativity. um, You're cooking up interactivity and there's no right or wrong. It's the same thing with poetry. Like there's a lot of pundits out there um, and especially, uh, there are several publications, you know, about poetry and uh, I, I'm not going to say names, but there are a lot of sticklers and, and you know what I always say, if you say one plus one equals five, go, go with God, you know? Um, so I feel there's no right or wrong to that, but yes, you need to be outside. You need to be doing something. And if you looked at, uh, I told someone the other day, I said, go look at your screen time. And then someone said, well, well, Kevin, your screen time. And I was like, hold on a second. Take a look again. And they're like, what do you mean? I said, do you see how many hours I spend driving from point A to point B to point C to to studios, to meetings? And I use that for my navigation. Almost 65% of my phone time is navigation. But So, like people said, how do you budget? I said, I do a few minutes here and there. Do what I need to do, and I go about my day. I don't, I, I have no reason to function my life on all of that. Yeah, I believe in getting stuff done. You
1: know that changed my life? And I actually learned this from Hal Elrod. And he is. The oh, author, yeah, yeah, yeah. Miracle Morning. Yes. <laughs> and he has a new book that's coming out, and I have just joined his community. Mm. Because he is the one that changed my life. With Miracle Morning, I arise every morning between 5.30 and 6 a.m. I am out of bed, feed my cat, go downstairs, and, of course, I get out of my pajamas before I do this. <laughs> you know, you could, uh, somebody could take that statement and bring <coughs> <into bed. laughs> Yes,
0: it's very true. Morning walk. <laughs> now, I'm in my pajamas, but I do get up at 5.30 by 6 a.m., I already have the coffee ready, cat animals fed, <coughs> everything uh, up and going. And that goes back to um, Schwarzenegger even mentioned um, him as well because he says, you know, and, and my partner Julie will always say this, is like, I am driven. I have a routine, and it's it's a routine I stick with. And one thing I try to pass on to my children is is I tell them, make your bed. And I'm like, there is satisfaction in knowing that you made your bed at the start of the day. And then Uh you go from there. You know, there's no time to be be sleeping in and all that nonsense. Plus, it's so much
1: better to come home and walk
0: in your room and be nice and clean than you. Well, uh, unless the cat's got to it, but, you know, that's.
1: (laughs) Oh, the cat, oh, my cat has her heyday.
0: Yes, they they do. (laughs) So that leads me to the next topic. Now, with that being said, where are you at now with new projects? Um, just to let you know, my prior guests, I, everybody has stuff coming out next year. Mm-hmm. What do you have happening towards the end of this year and rolling into 2024?
1: All right.
0: Are you ready for this? I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's get cooking. Okay. Okay. Oh, you got to explain I'm that. Going to,
1: yep, I'm going to be presenting a talk which actually does connect. Uh, I won't be talking about my book because that's not the reason for the TEDx. Right. But the TEDx is to give an idea what's spreading, and the idea we're spreading is to eliminate a nature deficit disorder that has been in place for over for almost 20 years now. That phrase was coined in 2005. Mm-hmm. And we're now in 2023, and it's worse than what it was before the pandemic. Mm. So that's what I'm addressing in my TEDx talk. I also have two sequels to Catnip of Life. Mm-hmm. And one of them, I had titled it A Touch of Catnip, and I'm toying around maybe changing the title away from Catnip. Right. of Life, only it's the shorter. In the book of Catnip of Life, there's some long poetry and there's also some short versions. This one is all filled with the short versions where a person could pick it up in the morning for a quick read or during the day or at night, just a little quick read to give them motivation and inspiration. And then the second one is called Voices of Nature, and this is quite different. I took it through the alphabet from A to Z, and I just went through the voices and then Tied it to listening and being able to absorb the um, things that you hear and those that you don't hear that are right. actually out in nature. So that those are those two two little books. Those are finished. All I have to do now is have them edited and get them to the publisher. Now, my biggie, my biggie, the one I'm the most excited about, and it's about seventy-five to eighty percent finished, buzzing. Buzzing, B U Z Z I N, with a little apostrophe, uh. and that is a child's view of nature.
0: <gasps> wow! And the are my grandchildren,
1: and they are three bees and a cat. They're named after. My oh no nature. way! <laughs> three bees and a cat.
0: Very and very good.
1: It's educational. Where they learn about the bee, they learn about. The, uh, how important the bees are to life because we wouldn't have life without the bees. And then it, it's written in poetic
0: form. Oh, nice. So
1: it's, I'm excited. Now it's so long, I think it's going to be more than one book.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, we also have to tell our listeners, you and I are hashing out and trying to get a um, cooking shoot done where we are cooking all kinds of fun stuff. Southern style.
1: Well,
0: to I'm going to let you say the rest. I'm not I'm going to going say to anymore. You know
1: should we, should we, um,
0: no, I'd rather that be a surprise. I, I want that to be. We because... have a main ingredient that's going to be you utilized, and it's
1: going to be North versus South. Yes. Or north meets South.
0: North, north North meets South. There you go. South. catnip meets my son the pizza and my son the pancake there you go <laughs> but we i going back to the nature part i want to backtrack a little bit what what caused you or what was the catalyst to have you do this paradigm shift in your life with nature what is it what happened what was the 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 culprit Mm-hmm.
1: It was on the birthday of, of my husband decades ago. And, well, in fact, it was in 2004. I wrote a poem to him. Right. And when I wrote it and he read it and he was so taken by it, I thought, oh, that was kind of nice. I, I liked writing that. So, because I'm a mathematician and science, those are my areas of expertise in my education career. So other than that, I decided, well, what can I do with poetry? Make it simple and use it in the classroom. Right. So I was working with a group of at-risk dropout prevention ninth graders. Those are the kids at the critical age, ninth grade, where they drop out of school. Wow. And I decided, okay, you kids are creative. You have creative minds. No one's tapped into it. So let's have some fun. I said you're gonna, we're gonna write some word problems. Of course, okay. no kid word problems when you're talking mathematics, but you have to make it rhyme. You have to do it poetically. It has to be lyrical, and we're going to do it where it makes sense to you, Kevin. They jumped on that project. Wow! I, I had some of the most unusual writings and challenges and problems for the for the other kids to figure out. It was phenomenal. It was so good that I took it and I created an entire curriculum unit called the Poetic Math Challenge. And it it's it was just absolutely phenomenal.
0: Wow. And,
1: and the second, the second thing now that happened to me I usually kept a little pad by my bed at night, because sometimes I was I was bad to wake up during the night. Something had come to my mind, and I, I want to jot it down. Well, I woke up one morning, and this little pad was just filled, just all this writing, 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 writing. And I thought, what in the world? I started reading it, and it was actually, I could put things together. And I said, this is poetry. What's going on here? And all of a sudden, okay. My little angel just tapped on my shoulder, just, <laughs> just just whispered in my ear all night long and wouldn't quit. And from that moment on I could walk into a room, for example, I saw a picture on my boss's office wall. This this right. stays with me. It was three little girls, they were on the beach and you could see the surf. So I went home and I wrote barefoot in the sand. Wow. And there's this and yeah. And then I walk the beach and I find an empty shell and I look at that empty shell and I thought, well, you know, you're empty, but you once were a habitat. You held life. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how many people have ever thought about picking up a shell and thinking that once had life inside. And I wrote about it.
0: Very good. Bravo. so So that's how it started. Well, there you go, folks. That's how it starts. A book by the table. Your thoughts, write, 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 write it out. Um, and again, that was uh, Charlotte Lee. And now, Miss Charlotte, we are going to give you the beast question of the week. My team and I cultivate, curate these questions every week. They are a very internal and uniquely cultivated and curated question. So the question for you this week Is what is the best thing that never happened to you?
1: The best thing that never happened to me. Well, the best thing that has never happened to me that is in my future is a trip to the Galapagos Islands. Ah,
0: there you go. Very good. Very, very good. Well, I thank you, Charlotte, for your time. And again, folks, uh, this is Charlotte Schultz, a.k.a. Miss Charlotte Lee. Go pick up Catnip for Life. Um, Where else can people find these books besides Amazon?
1: If they will go on catnipoflife.info, they will gather insight and information into what the reading is about. And there is a out a page that will give them a direct link to all my
0: books awesome again folks that is Charlotte Lee you're listening to Synergy 23 with Kevin the Beast Beep off. Charlotte don't go anywhere we're going to be tuning in now to one of her song picks and we will be right back <laughs>